the head of the North American seat in Ithaca, and then given permission by the Dalai Lama to retire here. And uh, Rinpoche is truly uh, recognized by all the world's great scholars as one of the greatest living scholars of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. Uh, in the sutra teachings, the tantra teachings, and all areas of knowledge that are common uh, to the Buddhist doctrines as well as non-Buddhist tenets that are studied within the uh, logic systems in the monastic tradition. Uh, so we're very fortunate to have Rinpoche here with us. Uh, having a scholar like Rinpoche is rare in any part of the world. Uh, so having him here with us today is uh, very fortunate. Um, and having you know, Rinpoche in Middletown uh, is uh, a very uh, wonderful, wonderful um, opportunity. So uh, today Rinpoche is going to continue his commentary on Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. Uh, this is a text uh, which is a commentary on an Indian master named Atisha's uh, text called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. Uh, and uh, we're in the beginning section uh, of this text. And before the teaching begins, uh, we have some introductory prayers. So if you turn uh, to the prayer book, everybody has a blue prayer book to about I'd say seven pages from the back or eight pages from the back, you'll find a tabbed off section that's yellow that says prayers for teachings. Uh, and so we do, there it is. <laughs> so we do uh, the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge first, and we do, uh, do that in its entirety, uh, including the actual title, uh, because that's a pronouncement of Lord Buddha as well. Uh, and then the next page, there's some Tibetan transliteration and English translation. Uh, we do just the Tibetan transliteration, uh, not the English translation, and that's led by Rinpoche. Uh, next we have, uh, uh, and we do the Sanskrit mantras in the center as well. We just don't do it 21 times. We do it silently to ourselves as many times as uh, Rinpoche does. And then we continue with the rest of the prayer in the Tibetan transliteration. Next page, we have uh, Outer Mandala Offering. Outer Mandala Offering is done in English as well as Tibetan, including the Sanskrit mantra and its translation at the bottom. Uh, and then we have the Prayer of Refuge in Bodhicitta. And this is done just uh, in the Tibetan uh, transliteration uh, and led by Rinpoche. After that, the teaching will begin. Rinpoche will give his commentary on Lama Tsongkhapa's text usually going over uh, material we've already covered, uh, again, uh, for anybody who's new. Uh, so if you are new, there uh, is no concern that you might miss something, because Rinpoche gives an overview for each class. Uh, and then, once the teaching is completed, uh, we have some concluding prayers, and those are the prayers that are right at the uh, next page of the book, uh, and we do all those only in the English uh, translation. So the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer, Samantabhadra dedication, long life prayer for His Holiness the Dalai Lama, and the long life prayer for Rinpoche, Kensar Geshe Wanda. Uh, so that will be the order of events for today. And uh, without further ado, unless anybody has a pressing question or a comment, uh, let's get started uh, with the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. The Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriya at Ultra Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, Noble Abhulgateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, 
while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita song this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Then, through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasapa, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasapa, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no, no appearance, no, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas. No I datu, up to no mind datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance, up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable true complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as true since there is no deception. Prajaparamita Mantra is said in this way. Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. Thus, Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train the profound Prajaparamita. And the Blessed One arose from that Samadhi, and praised Noble Abhulateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family. Thus it is, O son of noble family. Thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. Gate, <laughs> <laughs> 
So again, we will be uh, um, revisiting or looking at uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, uh, which is a commentary on Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment. Uh, and this text uh, uh, is utilized by all of the different traditions of Tibetan Buddhism, Nyingma, Kaju, uh, Sak Sakya, and uh, Glu, uh, because the Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment can be found uh, in the collection of the Tengjer, the authentic Indian commentaries. <laughs> Uh, so Lama Tsongkhapa wrote uh, various linked texts uh, uh, related to the stages of the path to enlightenment. Uh, they commented on Atisha's text, Lamp of the Path to Enlightenment. And the, mo the biggest text, or the most vast text, being the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment. So this contained the most amount of information about the stages of the path uh, found in that text. Uh, and then another text was written called The Medium Stages of the Path to Enlightenment. And this uh, was about 200 leaflets long. Uh, and then Lama Tsongkhapa wrote more abbreviated texts, such as the abbreviated stages on the path to enlightenment, the Lamrim Dudun. Uh, he wrote the uh, Source of All My Good, Foundation of All Good Qualities, Yuntin Shijurma, and also the Three Principal Paths, the Lamsam Namsam. So, uh, whether or not it's an abbreviated text, or it's an expansive text, or an extensive text, the subject matter is exactly the same. Uh, the subject matter uh, uh, contained within the text are the stages of the path for beings, uh, stages of the path shared in common with beings of small capacity, the stages of the path shared in common with beings of medium capacity, 
uh, and the stages of the path for beings of great capacity. Uh, so the most extensive uh, text having the most information on those stages of the path and the summarized texts having the least amount of information or content uh, explicitly about uh, those uh, stages of the path. Uh, uh, so uh, the uh, more extensive the text, the more extensive the uh, information about those stages. So, uh, there are various desirable results or results that we, will, we uh, would like to have. Uh, rebirth in the higher realms uh, would be uh, one uh, type of happiness that we wish to have. Uh, and that rebirth uh, and this, uh, the uh, stages of the path that lead to that rebirth can be found in the teaching shared in common with beings of small capacity. Uh, and then the next level of happiness is liberation or nirvana. Uh, and uh, this is something we would like to have or that is desirable. Uh, and, the, and the stages of the path that lead to liberation are found in the teaching shared in common with beings of medium capacity. Uh, and then complete Buddhahood, unsurpassable, true complete enlightenment, is another desirable result or goal uh, that we would like to have. And then the, these uh, stages of the path that lead to that result are found in the teachings for beings of uh, great capacity. Um, so uh, all of these uh, 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 different uh, desirable goals uh, can be found, uh, whether it's in a summarized format or in extensive format uh, um, uh, uh, in these texts. Uh, and now we're looking at the extensive format, uh, the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment that includes all three of those uh, scopes. And at the beginning of Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment, Atisha asserts, understand that there are persons or beings of three capacities, small, middling, and great. I shall write clearly identifying their characteristics. So this quote is referring to those uh, teachings for beings of small, medium, and great capacity. Sure. So, uh, in the Tibetan tradition, in the Kangjur, the uh, uh, actual pronouncements of Lord Buddha, we have 100 texts, uh, and these are the texts here. Uh, so we have 100 texts that are the actual pronouncements of Lord Buddha. Uh, and then there are 213 authentic Indian commentaries uh, that we uh, find here on this side. Um, so the essence of all of, the, of these texts, uh, both the pronouncements of Lord Buddha and the authentic Indian commentaries, are the three pathways, those 
pathways which lead to the higher realms, those pathways which lead to nirvana or liberation, uh, and those pathways which lead uh, to uh, complete Buddhahood. So we find uh, all of these texts uh, summarized and the same content found within Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment and Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, uh, an extensive explanation of that uh, text that Atisha wrote that contains all of uh, uh, these teachings uh, that are found in both the Kongjur, pronouncements of Lord Buddha, and the Tanjur, the authentic Indian commentaries. Okay. Uh, so the great master drone Tompa, who was a lay or a householder, who was a Tisha's root disciple uh, and an emanation of Chen Rezig, uh, stated that uh, Atisha has created a golden rosary of explanation that contains uh, it, how amazing it is that this golden rosary of explanation contains all three of uh, the great baskets uh, and, and therefore uh, 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 all three of these great baskets, so just that part. So um, here the th these baskets are referring to the three uh, baskets of tradition, the scriptural basket of the Vinaya, the Sutra basket, and the Abhidharma basket. Uh, so these baskets um, also connect to the three highest higher trainings. Where in the Vinaya basket we find this connected to the highest higher training in ethics, the Abhid, uh, I'm sorry, the Sutra basket uh, connecting to the highest higher training in concentration, and the Abhidharma basket uh, connecting to the highest higher training in wisdom. Uh, so here, uh, when uh, Drone Tompa states that it's amazing that this is a golden rosary of instruction that contains these three baskets. Uh, he's referring to uh, these, uh, the baskets of Vinaya Sutra and Abhidharma and those corresponding trainings, meaning that it implicitly contains all of the practices. What I so then this golden rosary uh, that Atisha's lamp is compared to is said to be adorned with uh, the, the teachings shared in common with beings, uh, uh, the teachings for beings of three capacity. Uh, so this, this um, content, uh, the way that Atisha explains all of the subject matter is by way of the teachings for beings of three capacities. So, uh, Drone Tompa states that this golden rosary is adorned with these uh, different, the teachings for beings of three capacities, this rosary of instruction. Uh, 
So uh, Lama Tsongkhapa uh, compares the uh, Atisha's texts uh, uh, to an ocean because all of the waters in the world uh, end up uh, in the great ocean. Uh, and so in uh, Lama Tsongkhapa's uh, abbreviated stages on the path uh, to enlightenment, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa states that it's a, a, an ocean uh, of an illustrious uh, uh, instruction. Uh, illustrious instruction because it contains uh, streams of thousands of classic texts. Uh, so it, uh, Lama Tsongkhapa compares this lamp for the path to enlightenment to an ocean that streams of thousands of texts uh, end up in, just as uh, all of the waters of the world eventually end up in the ocean. All of the, the teachings and all of the, the, the texts and instructions end up in a teacher's land. So we have both the uh, Atisha's Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment and Lama Tsongkhapa's Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment in English. So therefore, uh, because we have uh, both of these texts in the uh, English language, uh, we have all of the teachings found in the uh, Pronouncements of Lord Buddha and the authentic Indian commentaries in the commentary of Kendra. What that gentleman,老人的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他的,他
have uh, understood or uh, uh, practiced a a reliance upon the teacher that is the root, excuse me, uh, the root of the path. Um, uh, Right. So now we're in the section of uh, um, how once you've trained the minds, uh, how do uh, the stages? Uh, I'm sorry. Let me try this again. Now we're in the section on the stages. Um, how to engage in the stages of the path once uh, one has relied upon the teacher. Uh, so in that section there are. Uh, um, a couple of categories. First, it's an exhortation to take full advantage of the life of leisure and opportunity. And then the second category is uh, how to actually take advantage of the life of leisure and opportunity. So beginning with the first category, the exhortation to take full advantage of a life of leisure and opportunity has three categories. First, the identification of leisure and opportunity. So what is uh, uh, leisure referring to? And we found out that there are eight leisures. Uh, What is opportunity referring to? There are ten opportunities. Uh, And uh, so, and then there are five personal opportunities or internal personal uh, um, opportunities and five uh, external person, uh, uh, external opportunities uh, or it's sometimes translated as opportunities that pertain to other others or other could be translated both ways. Uh, so that's under the identification of leisure and opportunity. And then the next section is the uh, the great importance of this life of leisure and opportunity. Uh, and then the last is contemplating the difficulty of achieving the life of leisure and opportunity. So we've gone through the identification of leisure and opportunity of the eight leisures and ten endowments. We've gone over the great importance of leisure and opportunity. Tanda, the Natsu, the Dun Chewa? Dun Chewa Tanda. Okay, so now we're in the. Uh, so we've our, we're in the second, the great importance of leisure and opportunity. And within that, there are seven points, six of which we've gone over. Um, so now we are on page. Okay, that's good. Okay, 
the dust of the tire on the table and the chamber chair, the schedule is in the middle Okay, so now we're on page 123 in the English. Uh, and midway in page 82 in the Tibetan, uh, almost three-quarters of the way down in the Tibetan. So after thinking like this, develop a great desire to take full advantage of this life of leisure and opportunity. And then there's a quote from Shantideva. <laughs> The Nibato Mm. 
So within this section we find out various aspects of this human basis. There's a total of seven. So some of the aspects are um, because we have this basis of leisure, which refers to the eight leisures uh, and opportunity, it re refers to the ten opportunities, uh, we can engage in the things uh, that will achieve things, uh, achieve goodness in this life or, or happiness in this life. We can engage in pathways which lead to uh, the higher realms. We can engage in pathways which lead to the uh, um, liberation or nirvana. We can engage in pathways which lead to Buddhahood. So we can engage in these uh, practices which lead predispositions or imprints within our continuum for the successful completion of those goals or those aims. Uh, so this is the first, uh, one of the first reasons. And then the next reason is that it's a, the best basis uh, for achieving the various um, uh, levels of the mind that aspires to enlightenment and looking at the uh, actual uh, aspiring bodhicitta uh, and then the engaged bodhicitta uh, and showing how uh, um, in, among all of the different uh, realms uh, of existence the human basis is the best realm from which to engage in the practice of this aspiring and then uh, engaged bodhicitta uh, and the next is that it's the most appropriate basis for realizing the nature of reality for achieving the Arya path uh, for uh, seeing emptiness. If we look at the formless realm or the form realm, uh, these are not basises from which one can achieve the first path of seeing or uh, realize or see emptiness. Uh, and then there are slight examples of uh, some desire realm deities that are able to achieve this uh, realization of emptiness, but this is only uh, from a result of uh, these predispositions as a human being uh, related to realizing the nature of reality. So here it shows how the human basis is the superior basis because it's really the best basis from which to realize emptiness uh, and is a necessary if we are saying, well, there are other bases from which one can realize emptiness, the human basis is still a necessary prerequisite or previous life uh, where these causes were uh, created. So we don't find... Uh, um, opportunities in other realms as much uh, in the long life deities or uh, the uh, pure lands and so forth so the, uh, the imprints uh, um, are created in this human basis that lead us to uh, that realization uh, of, of emptiness so uh, here uh, there are various reasons that are given uh, throughout uh, this and now we're on the seventh reason or seventh point that is made should I say uh, to, about why um, this human basis is the most ideal basis. and uh, uh, There are various supporting reasons, but the real 
basic point here is that this human basis of leisure and opportunity allows us to engage in the all of the practices in the most complete way. So here it says, after thinking like this, develop a great desire to take full advantage of life, of leisure, and opportunity. So thinking like this is referring to what has been previously taught in these previous six points that are made. Thinking like this is referring to all of points made. So after one has uh, thought over these points that were just made, uh, one should take full advantage of the life of leisure, the, the eight leisures and the ten opportunities. Um, uh, so here is a quote from uh, Shanti Deva's Engaging in the Bodhisattva's Deeds, or the Bodhicharya Avatara, a guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life, where it says, once you have given this body wages and bonuses, you must make it act for your welfare. Do not give it everything if it doesn't help you. Uh, so here, this is saying, uh, first and foremost, one has to take care of uh, uh, his or her body, uh, eating the necessary foods, uh, drinking necessary things, uh, taking medicine if one is ill. Uh, one has to be very careful with the body to eat food that is good for it uh, and to uh, receive medical care if one has an illness and take the medicine that uh, allows the illness to be eradicated. Uh, so. Once one has done this, so this is what, uh, given this body, its wages and bonuses is referring to. Once one has truly taken care of and been careful with this body that becomes the vehicle from which to uh, engage in practices, uh, you must make it act for your welfare. So take advantage uh, of this basis. Uh, um, go for real meaning, uh, um, literally. Uh, um, by taking advantage of it is go for its true meaning or go towards its true meaning. 
And here, this is referring to engaging in the pathways which lead to the higher realms, engaging in the pathways which lead to liberation or nirvana, engaging in the pathways which lead to uh, complete Buddhahood. So it's saying, don't give it everything if it doesn't help you. Help you. Uh, so uh, it makes no sense to nurture it and take such good care of it if it's not going to be used for uh, 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 some sort of purpose. So if, if one has these eight leisures and ten opportunities, then it really shouldn't be wasted. It should be taken advantage of. Uh, uh, if one is taking care of it in such a way, uh, one should utilize it for something useful. So, uh, when looking, uh, thinking, when we're thinking uh, in this way, uh, uh, if we're utilizing this uh, food uh, that, that takes care of our body uh, and the medicines uh, to take care of our body uh, for this reason, uh, to be able to practice, uh, uh, then we see that uh, everything that we're doing then uh, when we're eating or drinking or taking medicine becomes practice. Uh, so we can make an offering uh, by uh, saying Om Ah Om three times to bless whatever the uh, item is that we're using uh, and then uh, make an offering uh, in a simple way one could say I make this an offering of whatever this is to the three jewels. Uh, it could even be one's house uh, or car, uh, making this offering to the three jewels uh, uh, mentally, uh, and then just go ahead and using uh, that item. And by doing so, this becomes virtuous practice every time we uh, um, eat or drink or uh, use these items because they are being used for the, inten the, the intention of their use is to be able to practice. Uh, to be able to uh, go for meaning. <laughs> So if we can think uh, when we're taking in food or drink or medicine that I'm eating this uh, so I can engage in those practices which will lead to the higher realm. So, so I can engage in the practices which lead to liberation, or engage in the practices uh, which lead to Buddhahood, then we're um, making this actual act of imbibing a practice in and of itself of virtue. Well, Lesser. 
So then there's another quote here uh, from Shantideva where he makes a comparison of the human body to a boat that uh, brings one somewhere. So it says, relying on the boat of a human body, free yourself from the great river of suffering. Because this boat is difficult to obtain again, do not sleep now, fool. Uh, so here, this is uh, saying that the human basis, uh, with its eight leisures and ten opportunities, uh, is like a boat that allows us to go to the other side of the ocean of suffering. So, Paro de Shimba is talking about going to the other side, Prajnaparamita, going to the other side of, of suffering. So, here, this this human basis uh, becomes the boat from which we can engage in the pathways which lead to the higher realms. We can uh, take this boat to uh, the, the, engage in the pathways which takes us to the uh, liberation or nirvana, or take the boat of this human, this human basis that's like a boat to complete Buddhahood. So here it says, because this boat is difficult to obtain again, uh, difficult to obtain why? Because the examples uh, of its difficulty have been presented, the causes of achieving it are difficult, and the um, numbers of the examples of this human basis are very small. Uh, so the numbers of humans are very small. So because this bo boat is difficult to obtain again, the boat referring to the human basis and its difficulty of obtaining, do not sleep now full, meaning take advantage of it while we have it. While we have this human basis, it's difficult to obtain because of the examples of its difficulty, the numbers of, uh, that there are which are very low, and the uh, causes are difficult to create. Uh, so take advantage of it here. So we have these, this basis with the eight leisures and, eight op and ten opportunities, and we should use it to uh, uh, um, go to uh, among the three results, the higher realms, liberation, and Buddha. <laughs> Garishan. That's the same as the Dambundaji Shasawa. Shasawa, 
Then 
So uh, when I read the quote, I think everybody will understand why this is taking me a moment. Um, give me a second here. What page are we on in English? Okay, so here uh, we have a quote from Potoa. From the Jewel Heaps of Teachings Through Analogy, Pechu Rinchen Pumba. And the quote says An insect's obeisance, a ride upon a wild ass, the song person's fish, and butter balls of roasted barley flour. That's the quote. And it says By thinking along these lines, uh, develop the desire to take full advantage of a life of leisure and opportunity. Um, so here, uh, uh, it's using examples of uh, a rarity and, and how we should put great emphasis on the importance of this basis that we have of the eight leisures and the ten endowments. Um, and these are all examples of stories um, and that relate in some way uh, to um, thinking about something as being very important. Uh, so here, it's saying an, incense, uh, an insect's uh, homage, so an insect paying homage, thinking of something as being very important. A ride upon a wild ass. Here, Rinpoche is saying the wild ass in the story is like a zebra, and it's a blind person who's mounting uh, this uh, uh, wild ass, and it's uh, about... I'm just giving the literal translation, and maybe it means something to someone else. Uh, and uh, the other, someone sees that this is uh, taking place. This person is, you know, mounted this wild animal to take it for a ride uh, wherever it'll go. Um, and it's very rare that someone who can't see gets an opportunity to sit on a zebra and go for a ride on it. Uh, and uh, so someone's saying, be careful, you're about to ride on this wild uh, animal. So this same uh, feeling that this person would have, uh, um, uh, or gusto, or uh, putting, uh, that he or she has mounted this wild animal. Uh, and then that Song person's fish, uh, in that Song province, people like to eat fish, but apparently the fish makes, in the story, makes the people vomit. So... Because they love the fish so much, they actually take a string or a rope and tie it around their throat to stop the vomit from coming because they are so want to eat in this fish and keep this fish uh, inside of them to eat. They want this fish so badly. Um, so in this same way, we should look after this human basis with the eight leisures and opportunities in the same kind of uh, strong way as someone who would be so uh, attached to this fish that they would tie a rope around their throat so they wouldn't throw up. And then the last is buttered balls of roasted barley flour. Here this is talking about the most delicious 
uh, kind of food, uh, like uh, the most delicious way would obviously, if we're have barley flour is a staple, if you put butter with it, then it becomes the most delicious uh, way that that could be served. So here it's showing all these examples of uh, um, like powerful uh, uh, connections or powerful, I'm really not doing it justice, but I think everyone gets the, 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 the point. And just saying that one should really take full advantage of this life of leisure and opportunity with the eight leisures and the ten endowments with this same sort of vigor, with this same sort of uh, importance that uh, these examples do. That's what Ramesha said to you. So there's a lot to eat here, Ramesha said, and uh, please help yourself to whatever there is to drink. Use the restroom. We'll take a ten minute break. Folks, have the text. There is a footnote. And it explains basically the same thing, the rarity of a blind man landing on a zebra or an ass. It says, uh, and the rarity of an insect making a, a prostration, uh, and the, uh, just the great importance and rarity of this, uh, these eight leisures and opportunities. So uh, everything that was stated is, is correct and then validated by what we find in the back. And even the, the story of the tying of the knot is in there too. ジェバダマモンジョマチタチェジェバダランチダワシニエテミチュナテンノチダジェニエテンノチダジェバダラタイテンラジェブレミシュコワステルソンチェタジュモンソンチェンチョワソンバオテニチサチェアニエコワソ
Okay, so when we have the contemplating the difficulty of attaining leisure and opportunity, we're going to find uh, eight points. And uh, previously, we went over many times the three points uh, that are really specific uh, about the difficulty of obtaining uh, this life of leisure and opportunity, uh, the eight leisures and ten opportunities. The first uh, is that the examples um, uh, of the difficulty of obtaining the human basis of leisure and opportunity, and we find the example of the blind sea turtle uh, and the vast ocean and a yoke that's floating in this ocean, in, in this ocean somewhere, and a blind sea turtle coming up every 100 years and just happening to pop and happening to pop uh, his or her head through this yoke that's floating somewhere on the ocean. So this example is used to show the difficulty of actually a, a, achieving this human basis with its leisure, the leisures and opportunities. Uh, and the next is that the causes are difficult to create. Uh, so first one must have uh, the um, training in ethics or ethical behavior. Secondly, one must engage in the practice of the six perfections. And third, one must make uh, aspirational prayers or dedications, make aspirations to uh, achieve the human basis. So all of these things are necessary causes to create this human basis. And it's for this, this is the second reason that it's difficult to obtain. And then the third reason is that the uh, numbers are few. And the meaning of this is that if we look at the six realms of cyclic existence, and then we look at the hell realm, for instance, the hell realm has the most number of beings within it. Uh, then if we look at the hungry ghost realm, the hungry ghost realm has the next most. And then the animal realm, the, the next most. 
uh, uh, a little less rather, uh, it, uh, uh, and then it go, uh, and so on and so forth. So the human realm, there are much fewer numbers of human beings than in the lower realms, uh, and the most beings are in the hell realm, and then it gets less and less as one goes through, goes up, if you will. Uh, the six realms of cyclic existence, the numbers of those beings become fewer and fewer uh, as the uh, higher, the, uh, um, as one goes higher and higher through the different realms. Um, so uh, we find uh, these three three reasons that we've given in the past, and now Lama Tsongkhapa is going to expand uh, this explanation um, and, and make more points about the difficulty of achieving <coughs> a, a human basis. Uh, so it's 124 and 83-1. Nebacosom, Dendrochuane, so uh, there's exam in this first section. <coughs> so here it says the third uh, in the Tibetan, and the third is referring to this is the third section. The first section is the identification of leisure and opportunity. The second section is uh, um, uh, how to uh, uh, the, to good uh, contemplating the great importance of leisure and opportunity. And then the third section uh, is the uh, difficulty of obtaining leisure and opportunity. So that's why it says the, the number three. This is the third. Uh, moreover, whether you start, so here there's going to be an example of the difficulty of achieving uh, life of leisure and opportunity uh, and the reason for it. So 
Uh, it says, moreover, whether you start from a happy realm or a miserable realm, it is difficult to obtain leisure, such leisure and opportunity. And then uh, it says, for the Buddhist states and the basis of discipline. So here, basis of discipline is referring to the Vinaya. The Vinaya would be in the pronouncements of Lord Buddha. Uh, and uh, specifically, um, it would be, in, if we look at it in categories of baskets, it would be in the Vinaya basket. So the ethical discipline basket, the Vinaya basket. Uh, so there's a quote here from that, uh, or a statement, if you will, from that, that says that, those who die in the miserable realms and are reborn there are similar in the number, number of, to the dust particles on the great earth, whereas those who are reborn from there into happy realms are similar in number to the dust particles on the tip of a fingernail. Um, so here, uh, more often than not, one is born uh, um, uh, in the lower realms if he or she dies in the miserable realms. So it says there... It, the, num the examples of, of those uh, beings born from in the miserable realm, again, are is, uh, like the number of dust particles in the whole earth. Uh, and then those who actually go to the higher realms are like the number of dust particles on uh, the tip of a fingernail. And the Buddha said, uh, used uh, his fingers to show uh, the, 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 the how small one, it was of numbers he was talking about by, by showing that the tips of these fingernails here, uh, the number of dust particles there are the number of those beings that make it to the higher realms, whereas the ones that stay in the lower realms are as uh, vast as the dust particles in the whole earth. Um, so, and it says, um, further, those who die in both types of happy realms, human and divine, are reborn in miserable realms, are similar in number to dust particles on the great earth. And while those who die in happy realms and are reborn there are similar to the dust particles on the tip of a fingernail. So here the Vinaya is also giving a similar example and uh, uh, showing uh, the rarity of this attainment of a human basis of leisure and opportunity, eight leisures and ten opportunities. <laughs> ดันรุญีดันรุญีมะตะลาจิมารบะมะตะลาชินะเนี่ยฮุลจิเกนเตไซดุนามุเรสลาซิดามุเรสลาซิดานเนี่ยดันรุญีเนี่ยฮาตะ
mostly people are born again in the lower realms and the numbers or examples are like the numbers of dust particles on the earth uh, and the numbers of beings that actually go to the higher realms from the lower realms are like the dust particles that fit on fingertips. And then the second point is about the higher realms, those beings who are abiding in the gods and the human realms, and that those beings that go to the miserable realms or lower realms after that birth are like the dust particles in the whole earth, whereas those that achieve that higher realm rebirth again are like the ad uh, dust particles that fit on a fingernail. So then there are two points that are made here. <laughs> So it's the, here the first two points that prove the difficulty of attaining a leisure and opportunity are that those who are born, uh, who are in the miserable realms, uh, when they die and are born again in the miserable realms are like the numbers of dust particles on the earth and those who make it out to the higher realms are like the dust particles on your fingertips. And then the second example the, uh, of the difficulty of obtaining this human basis of leisure and opportunity is that the number of beings in the higher realms that go to the lower realms are like the dust particles on the earth and the number of beings in the higher realms that go back again to the higher realms are like the dust particles on your fingertips. <laughs> So it's very difficult to achieve a human basis uh, whether one is um, uh, going from the miserable realms to that basis or from uh, that the higher realms to that basis. So it's difficult to uh, achieve that basis in either case. So then the question, uh, if it's difficult to uh, go to the higher realms from the lower realms and it's difficult to go to the higher realms from the higher realms, what's the reason for this? What's the reason for this difficulty? So here we're going to show the reason for the difficulty. Okay, so um, then it's going to next give a reason for the difficulty of achieving this uh, life of leisure and opportunity. Um, and it's show first begins with why the causes are difficult to, to achieve. Um, because uh, when we look at the non-virtuous activities, we look at the ten non-virtues, the uh, three of the body, four of the speech, and the three of the minds uh, that one can engage in. 
uh, and, and we look at virtuous activities, we'll find that one engages uh, more often than not in non-virtuous activities, and virtuous activities uh, are engaged in much less. Um, so it's a rarity to find people engaging in virtuous activities, whereas it's the norm uh, to find uh, engage, for people engaging in non-virtue. So uh, this is why it's difficult to go from the, the human basis or the higher basis again to a higher basis or from the miserable basis to the higher basis because of the uh, non-virtue is the more familiar um, uh, activity. Uh, and then there's going to be a quote from Arya Deva's 400 verses uh, and more uh, explanation. So, uh, what is the uh, reason for its difficulty? So here it's difficult to go from the higher realms to the higher realms, and it's difficult to go from the lower realms to the higher realms. So why is this? So the question is raised, why is a human life of leisure and opportunity so difficult to obtain? Uh, it is because beings of the happy realms 
humans and the like, are frequently involved in such ignoble activities as the ten non-virtues. Because of this, they are reborn in the miserable realms. And then there's a quote from Arya Deva's 400 verses. I think it's actually switched around with the commentary after in Tibetan. But um, it says, humans, for the most part, are involved in things ignoble. Therefore, our most ordinary beings will surely go to the miserable realm. So here, uh, the word noble, ignoble is used, uh, and it's being it's referred referring to non-virtuous activity. A noble being is the best of beings. An ignoble being is uh, the uh, a negative uh, uh, a negative uh, being. So here. When it's, it's saying ordinary beings, those non-superiors, those ordinary beings, regular people, are engaged more often in not, than not in non-virtuous activities of the body, speech, and mind, in ignoble activities, activities that are not noble. And because of this engagement <coughs> in ignoble activities, uh, the number of beings that uh, uh, go... Uh, from the human basis to the miserable realms are higher, uh, are highest. Uh, so more often than not, humans go to the lower realms um, because of their engagement in non-virtue uh, uh, more often uh, than not. So here, uh, this is what is meant by this. And Rinpoche spent a little time in the word in Tibetan, uh, ignoble, uh, in saying like a noble person is the best kind of person, ignoble is <coughs> the opposite of that, and ignoble activities are bad activities. ケナ、そうすると、ペシンゲバガノのワトとかだけだ。ナバマイムショ、マゴワチュセ、ダビショチュテ、ドワチュ、ドワチュ、ドワチュラテネ、デンドルチュテ、マゴワチュラテネ、
because uh, human beings, uh, beings in the higher realms, are engage in more, uh, more often than not, these types of activities um, of non-virtue, uh, and, and virtue is very rare. Uh, it's for this reason uh, that we find more often than not beings go from the higher realms to the lower realms and the lower realms to the lower realms uh, because of the ignoble activities they uh, engage in uh, more often than not. Okay. Uh, and it's very similar to the previous explanations of the uh, virtue of the body, speech, and mind, and non-virtue of the body, speech, and mind, and the degrees uh, um, of virtue and non-virtue, that uh, virtue has a small degree of completion that is small, medium, and great, uh, and non-virtue has degree of completion that is small, uh, medium, and great. So. Uh, these uh, degrees create the various realms of experience. So the uh, non-virtuous uh, negativities, uh, small, medium, and great, uh, create uh, the lower realms of the hell, a hungry ghost, and animals. Uh, and the virtuous activities of small, medium, and great create the higher realms of existence of the uh, humans, uh, demigods, and gods. Uh, so uh, very similar uh, in concept to what we're speaking Bless then 
so again, in Arya Deva's 400 verses, it speaks of human beings are involved in things ignoble. So this word in the Tibetan is, uh, it seems like a complex word, but it's really just referring to non-virtue. Uh, so are involved in non-virtuous activities. The word ignoble is used. Noble would re be referring to virtue. Uh, so it says, therefore, most ordinary beings will surely go to the miserable realm. So most ordinary beings uh, uh, will, because of the involvement in non-virtue, more often than the involvement in virtue, uh, go to the lower realms of cyclic existence. And more often than not, those beings who are in the lower realms go back to the lower realms of cyclic existence because of this uh, major, uh, more often than not, engaging in a non-virtuous activities. And then Lama Tsongkhapa says it's because of the beings of the happy realms, humans and the like, so happy realms, humans and de deities, or humans and gods, are frequently involved in such ignoble activities as the ten non-virtues. So non-virtuous activities uh, of the body, speech, and mind. Uh, and because of this, they are reborn in the miserable realms. So Lama Tsongkhapa is saying, it's Lama Tsongkhapa is saying because of the more often than not, we're familiar with ignoble activities. We're more often than not reborn in the lower realms, and the examples of being born in the higher realms are very small because of this. For instance, for even a single moment of anger toward a bodhisattva, he must stay for an eon in the unrelenting hell. 
As this is so, it goes without saying that you will have to stay many eons in the miserable realms on account of having in your mind stream the imprints of many sins that you previously accumulated over many lifetimes. So we've had beginningless lives where we've engaged in beginningless uh, acts of non-virtuous activity and been more familiar with non-virtue uh, than any other uh, form of uh, activity. And since these imprints have not been erased by an, attitude, an antidote and have not yet issued effects, still if you are completely clear away uh, previously accumulated causes of miserable rebirths and restrain yourself from engaging in these causes again, you are assured of a happy rebirth. However, doing this is extremely rare. So, uh, it's saying here that uh, if one has these imprints um, and they haven't been uh, purified, um, and here a purification practice could be an example of one, would be the four opponent powers. Uh, so since beginningless time, we've had these negativities in our mind. They can be purified by application of the four opponent powers, but without application of the four opponent powers or a, another kind of antidote, they will necessarily give rise to their concordant results. So non-virtuous activities will necessarily give rise to uh, suffering. So it is definite that um, these imprints have not been erased by an antidote and have still not issued effects. So there are effects that will be issued if there is not a purification of those imprints. Uh, so that's what that's referring to. And it says, uh, but if you can restrain yourself from in, uh, engaging in these things and do a purification with such thing, uh, practice as the four opponent powers, then you will surely have a happy rebirth. So it's, it's, not, it's saying that the potential is there uh, to have this higher rebirth if one engages in the necessary activities to produce that. Uh, points that are made are the examples 
Uh, and here we have the examples uh, of if uh, one is go uh, the, uh, the number of beings that go from the lower realms to the uh, lower realms are similar in number to atoms in the earth and the number of beings that go from the lower realms to the higher realms are similar in uh, numbers to the atoms on fingernails. Uh, those beings that go from the <laughs> higher realms to the lower realms are as vast as the number of atoms in the world, and those be numbers of beings that go from the higher realms uh, to the higher realms are uh, like the numbers of atoms on fingernails. Uh, so here, uh, these examples are given, uh, and then there is a reason uh, given for this, and the reason that's given is that uh, whether the beings are in the higher realms or in the lower realms, more often than not, those beings are engaging in non-virtuous activities or ignoble activities, and it's for that reason uh, that more often than not, whether one is in the lower realms or the higher realms, their next rebirth is a miserable realm or lower realm rebirth uh, because of the uh, uh, familiarization with uh, non-virtue, uh, being more familiar with non-virtue. Uh, and then the next is the rarity um, of uh, achieving this uh, life of eight leisures uh, and uh, ten uh, opportunities. Uh, so here um, it's going to show um, how rare it is because of uh, those things just mentioned, uh, because of the uh, um, examples uh, and, and the reason for those examples. So it's showing the uh, rarity of achieving uh, uh, this actual human basis. Um, yeah. So going for these causes are great. <laughs> ngandu ngandu <laughs> it's extremely rare to have this human basis of leisure and opportunity, um, but there is the potential for it to arise. It says, still, 
if you completely clear away previously accumulated causes of miserable rebirth, so if one engages in an antidote, applies an antidote such as the four opponent powers, and purifies all of these negative imprints, these uh, previously uh, created uh, negativities, uh, and then refrains from engaging in these negativities again, which are the causes for miserable realms, if one eradicates the previously engaged imprints and no longer engages in negative activities, then one will necessarily achieve a higher realm rebirth. But this is uh, extremely rare. Um, uh, this is uh, extremely rare. Um, uh, uh, and it's, it's because uh, uh, it, it, more often than not, this isn't the case. And uh, just going back, I forgot to translate something. Uh, Rinpoche was saying that um, if one uh, is creating, uh, uh, for instance, if we look at the com a company that makes airplanes, if one makes a lot of causes for <coughs> making airplanes, then a lot of airplanes will get produced. If one makes few causes for making airplanes, then only a few airplanes will be produced. Likewise, uh, um, the actions and results are, are similar in this way. The more causes, the more results that, that follow. Uh, so I just didn't want to uh, leave that out uh, completely because I forgot that from the last uh, translation. So uh, it says, however, doing this is extremely rare. But we do find examples um, in uh, um, uh, Nagarjuna gives of the master Angumala uh, who received the wrong teachings from a bad uh, 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 spiritual teacher uh, who told him to go out and kill uh, human beings as a spiritual practice. And he killed 999 beings uh, and then uh, got to the last person uh, and met with Lord Buddha. And Lord Buddha um, in, uh, um, gave Angumala teachings, and Angumala engaged in purifi purification practices, such as the four opponent powers, and by doing so, Angumala did not have to uh, experience the uh, results of having killed all of those people. He actually achieved the state of foe destroyer in that lifetime, by doing the purification and the practices that the Buddha uh, prescribed. Uh, so here uh, we find examples of beings who were able to apply an antidote and engage in virtuous practices uh, and eradicate those negativities. Uh, so we're going to stop here uh, and we'll do the concluding prayers and so forth. And Rinpoche said that we will continue uh, this discussion uh, in the near future. So in the next class we'll continue this discussion. Uh, just a real quickly, an announcement. I'm going to go ahead and make the announcements now. Uh, um, this seems to be the easiest way to do it. Uh, on Tuesday night, we have the Introduction to Buddhism, the first uh, Tuesday of the night uh, teaching. So Rimche will uh, be giving that class uh, uh, on Tuesday. And was there something uh, you wanted to announce? You want to do it before, now, or after, whichever? After the prayers. After the, um, okay, so now we'll do the yeah, concluding. I'm sorry? On Wednesday. Oh, and then the 15th, uh, which is a Wednesday, uh, is the celebration of uh, Sakadawa, uh, the month of the Buddha. And we will be doing Mahayana one-day vows in the morning at 5 o'clock a.m. Uh, and if one needs information about what those vows are, you can find it online. There's a lot of resources for what the Mahayana one-day vow is, the eight vows that that entails. Uh, and then that evening at 7 o'clock p.m. we will be doing a Guru Puja, Lama Chupa Tsok uh, offering. So 
so yes, that will be on the 15th. Uh, so those are the two dates I just wanted to make sure everybody know, knew about coming up. So this Tuesday, uh, Intro to Buddhism, 15th, morning 5 a.m., Mahayana One Day Vows, evening 7 p.m., Lama Chupa, uh, Guru Puja. So now, uh, we'll do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this is the Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have created for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lhosa Prabhupada to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious seeds. In that pure land surrounded by spiritual mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness, all powerful Avalokiteshvara, Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara is I pray for the long life of the precious Kinsu Wandak, upholder of spiritual and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Next. So John has an announcement now. Um, it's been brought to my attention as it.